Uh, we're going to be starting the Life of David series. Um, David, Jesus was called the son of David. And so we can learn about a lot about what Jesus came to do and who he is because he was called the son of David. David had lots of flaws. I think he's the grittiest, the most volatile, the earthiest, the most emotional. Like just read the Psalms. That man was one emotional man, <laughs> many highs and many lows. Um, one interesting thing about the life of David, the story of David, is it doesn't have one single miracle, like supernatural miracle, which is interesting to me. I'm like, man, he lived an earthy life. Some of us sometimes don't experience the parting of the Red Seas, uh, being in, in a den with the mouth of lions. So it's kind of cool. Like we can relate to David, right? He's an earthy guy. <laughs> Perhaps because of this, we can learn so much from him. I'm just going to repeat some of the themes that we're looking out for. He teaches us to hope in the generational promises of God, despite the horrible evil we see around us. He illustrates that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, exalts the humble. And he's an example of a worshiper who trusts in God. He knew how to find God's presence in the midst of terrible circumstances, difficult circumstances. I'm just giving you a little bit of context and history here. And today we're actually not going to talk about David. Yeah, believe it or not, but hold on. You'll get why in a minute. Uh, most of David's life is detailed in the books of first and second Samuel. These books tell us about the prophet Samuel. They tell us about Israel's enemy, the Philistines at the time. I remember when my kids were little, uh, we knew a woman named Phyllis Ng, Tom Singers, and Laura Singers' mother-in-law. Her name was Phyllis Ng, and she gave me a recipe, and I made this soup, tortellini soup, and I was like, you guys, this is a recipe. This is a Phyllis Ng recipe, and they're like, how do you know this is what the Philistines ate? <laughs> I was like, Phyllis Ng, not Philistine. <laughs> so the Philistines, they're the antagonist in the story. Um, there's um, King Saul and King David. And the bulk of the books are written about King Saul and King David. That's what most of the chapters are about. But before the prophet Samuel and these new kings, Israel was led by priests, prophets, and judges. And now we're entering into the David story where everything is about to change. It's no longer the priests, the prophets, and the judges. We're going to have these kings come into play. But today I want to introduce you to Samuel because um, that's the way the book opens with the story of Samuel, with his birth. And he was a prophet in Israel and he was the one who would anoint King Saul and King David. And even though the books are primarily about Saul and David, we will see Samuel weave in and out, in and out of the story. And just be the way the book opens with Hannah and Samuel. It's as if the book is prioritizing the work and word of the prophet Samuel long before the stories of the rise and, king, rise and fall of kings. So to get a feel for the word, world that Samuel was born into, 1 Samuel 3, 1 says this, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. God's people couldn't hear 
and God's people couldn't see, right? The word, what we could hear was rare, and what we could see, there was not much that we could see. Today, if you feel like the word of the Lord is rare, if you don't have much vision, and if you're trying to learn to hear from the Lord, my prayer is that this message today will encourage you. Be prepared to hear something. Be prepared to see something with your spiritual eyes. Hey, if you want to show up, Jesus, that'd be awesome too. We'll take that too. But just be prepared to hear and see in a new way. Um, will you all pray with me? I got feedback that people enjoyed, appreciated praying this prayer with me. So could we put that prayer up, Grace? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, our teacher, as we continue worship and explore your word today, would you awaken our hearts, expand our thinking, and shape who we are today and what we do tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, amen. So you all heard that a couple of weeks ago, I was at this big gathering of LDS women and traditional Christian women, and we were having all these conversations and talking and hearing from each other. And at one point, there was this really young woman named Grace Freeman. She's Gen Z. Uh, she's an LDS seminary teacher, and she was being interviewed by a traditional Christian woman. And I just... Um, the Christian woman, Nish, asked her what it's like to be younger in a community of faith. And she said, Grace said something like this. I wish I could quote her exactly, but I'm going by memory. She said, we all know as Gen Zers what you think is wrong with us. We know what is wrong with us, smartphones, social media, and so forth. We've heard all that. <laughs> Stop telling us that. <laughs> She was kind of saying, would you stop cursing us and start blessing us? Those are my words, but that's kind of what she was getting at. But then she said this, what we want to know is how to hear God's voice. I was like, oh, maybe that's what we should spend our time focusing on is teaching Gen Z how to hear God's voice. Teach us that we have a longing. I have a long longing whether we're old, whether whatever age we are, and we heard from Grace, she has a longing and her generation has a longing to know how to hear, see, and discern the voice of the Lord. So be thinking about that as we tell these stories about Hannah and Samuel. First Samuel chapter one from the opening opens with a story of a woman who is desperate to encounter God, to hear from God. Her name is Hannah. She's been barren and all she longs for is a child. And every year she would go with her husband to the tabernacle in Shiloh and his second wife, Penaniah. They, every year they would go to worship. The whole family would go. And his second wife would torment Hannah, says year after year, it was the same. Penaniah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. She was devastated. She was full of angst. She longed to hear the voice of the Lord and her vision was clouded by tears and depression. <laughs> but she persisted to present her request before the Lord. She persisted. It was an act of faith. I'm going to come before the Lord, despite the fact that things aren't changing, despite what's happening. I'm going to keep coming before the Lord. 
I want to give a little side note here. I'm so thankful for Lori's testimony about the, the healing of her friend's husband. But some of us feel like we're going year after year, despite taunting, to meet with God in worship. Sometimes, though, our prayers go unanswered. The Bible is relentlessly and honestly full of examples like that. We love to hear the victory stories, but sometimes, let's be real, right? Moses never saw the promised land except from a distance. Uh, John the Baptist was beheaded. Disciples were martyred. Read Hebrews 11 to find out about some tough stuff that happened to people who followed Jesus, but they were commended as people of faith. Many times God answers in a way we expect, but sometimes God doesn't, but we persist. I love this book I've been reading called What If Jesus uh, Was Serious About Prayer by Sky Jitani. It's so good. But it says this, we do not pray with confidence because our prayers accomplish what we intend. Instead, we pray with confidence because we are God's children who have been granted access to his power through Christ's redemption on the cross. We press in, we keep going, regardless of the outcome, we keep coming to the, the to Shiloh, to the tabernacle, to this house of worship, to your morning worship or evening worship or lunchtime worship, whatever it is, we keep coming. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we can lay those backpacks Eric talked about down at his feet so we can see his wings covering us. That's a vision. We got a vision today of wings covering us that will take us from pasture to pasture. So my first encouragement to you today, if you feel like the voice of the Lord is rare and the visions are few, keep coming. Don't give up. Keep asking. Keep pressing through. Tears, joy, jumping up and down, whatever it is, keep coming, keep coming. God does answer Hannah's prayer. And she names her son Samuel. And Samuel means heard by God. You are heard by God. God hears you. God is listening. I love Psalm 116 that says, the Lord hears my voice and my prayers for mercy because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Don't you love that picture of the God of heaven bending down to catch every word? Like that's how God listens to us, listening to us. When Samuel is weaned, Hannah brings him to the house of the Lord to serve with the priests. And I'm gonna I'm going to read part of her prayer. It's also known as Hannah's song. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. I can see her dancing like Eric. <laughs> now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me, God. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And then to her enemies, stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken and those who stumbled are now strong. 
He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. I love it. There hadn't been a king in Israel yet. Hannah's opening with a prophetic word. There's going to be a king. And God gives power to his king. Hannah's song is sometimes called the Magnificat of the Old Testament. It's so similar to the Magnificat of the New Testament, which is Mary's song after she's visited by the angel Gabriel with the news about Jesus's birth. On top of that, so you have this song in the Old Testament, you have this song in the New Testament. David, at the end of the two books of Samuel, we have David's song, and it echoes Hannah's song. So it's like both the whole story that we're about to read, this journey we're going to go on through the life of David is bookended with this song, song similar to Hannah's song. That's why we sing so much around here in bookend. You know, we remember <laughs> the main points in song, right? But let's review what Hannah's song says. God opposes the proud and exalts the humble. Despite human evil, God is at work. God will raise up a messianic king. Hallelujah. Doesn't that give you hope? This King Jesus will be called the son of David. Samuel's story and Hannah's song, praising the Lord, open the book of Samuel to prioritize the idea that we humble ourselves before the word of the Lord. Our hope is in the revelation of God's work and presence, his word and vision, and it is not in the establishment earthly kings and authorities. That's not where our hope is. And we'll learn that from Saul and David. They, they had ups and downs, not like the faithfulness of the Lord, whose faithfulness endures forever, and not like King Jesus who would come and be a consistent voice for us. Samuel won't just anoint both men as kings, but the fresh word of the Lord and the vision of the Lord will give definition to the new ways God is going to rule Israel. Flesh and blood and the kingdoms of earth become subordinate to the word and spirit and kingdom of heaven. We will see this time and time again that both King Saul and King David are subject to the Lord through his messenger Samuel. So, this is why I want to hear the word of the Lord and have vision today. This is why Grace essentially said on behalf of her generation, we know our faults. We know we can't trust our own strength. We know what's wrong. <laughs> Help us hear the word of the Lord and have vision. Help us see. Don't curse us. Give us vision. We want to put our trust in the name of the Lord. Help us le learn how to hear it. So let's talk about how Samuel learned the voice of the Lord and see what we can take away from his story. Sound good? Okay. First, Samuel 3. I'm going to go in and out of telling the story and reading a few verses. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. 
I think it was Josephus who said that Samuel was 12, but I can't remember which one I read that said that. So we're, we're looking at a little preteen kid here. Don't you love that? That's why we got to love on our junior hires, right? They're in the Bible. That's right. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, next verse, verse two, hopefully it's in there. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. Do I have verse two? Sorry, everyone. I was trying to cut out verses <laughs> to not make it so long, and I cut out this one. But one night, Eli, it says his eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. So Eli's the priest. He's lost the vision. They're saying this literally, but it's also metaphorical. He's lost the vision. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. There's this emphasis in there that in the tabernacle, they had a light that would go all night. And then in the morning, the priest would light it again. But here it's saying it had not yet gone out. And you, it's kind of like this moment of suspense. The light is about to go out in Eli's house. You know, it's like, that's how bad it was. That's how awry everything had gone. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. His presence was there. God's presence was there, right? They were sleeping rooms away from it, and they still couldn't hear and see. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli because he thought Eli was calling him, not the Lord. And he says, here I am, you called me. And Eli says, I did not call, go back and go lay down. It's like, go back to bed, kids, right? <laughs> this happens a total of three times. Now, this is an interesting verse. Samuel did not, net, did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That is sad to me. This little boy was raised in the house of the Lord with the Ark of the Covenant right there with priests to lead him. And this little one still did not know the Lord, even though he ministered to the Lord, praised him and worshiped him. Okay, soon Eli realizes what's happening. He's like, oh, this little boy is hearing the voice of the Lord. So he says, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel goes down and lays down in his place. Then the Lord came, this is the fourth time, and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord says to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I love it. Tingling ears. You're not just going to hear it. You're going to like, I got to do something. Something's happening here. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him. So he's, he's had this conversation with Eli before. I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. I'm reading from up there, and I've lost my place up here. <laughs> and he's failed to restrain them. Therefore, 
So God's like, Eli, I've been talking to you. I've been telling you, you need to get things in order. And Eli hadn't been listening. And the Lord tells all this to 12-year-old Samuel. So Samuel wakes up the next day. He's afraid. He's like, I can't, I can't tell Eli what happened last night. I can't tell him. But Eli insists. And he says, just be honest. Come on. So good for you, Eli. You did something right. <laughs> so Samuel tells him everything, hiding nothing from him. And then Eli says, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. So there's like, Eli's like, okay, this is it. Then verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And then I love this. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. I love it. So let's unpack this a little bit. Why was the word of the Lord rare? Why had Eli's eyes become weak that he could barely see? Why had he lost his vision? And we read at the end of the chapter, it makes it pretty clear. His household was corrupt. The priesthood was defiled. The hardness of our hearts and of our religious leaders, people like me, we can make the word of the Lord rare. Our refusal to listen can create hard hearts. We can spend a lot of time blaming culture, blaming social media, blaming this generation or that generation, the one that went before us or the one that's following us. That's the easiest one. And don't we all do that, honestly? But what about the hardness of heart and corruption of our own religious ways? Jesus said this too. Jesus said this. This is a generational problem. Here I go, blaming the generations before us. <laughs> this is a generational problem. It was a problem in the time of the judges and the prophets and the priests. It was a problem in the time of Jesus. In Mark 12, 38 through 40. Let's see, did I wipe that one? Good, I had that one. Thanks, Grace. Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. I've heard all this stuff about preachers and their shoes, too. Like, today it might not be flowing robes. It could be our fancy clothes. It could, you know, it could be, it could be whatever. They love the seats of honor in the synagogues. How many likes do we have on social media? How many people are following us? Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. I do love praying. I'm probably pretty guilty of that one. <laughs> because of this, they will be more severely punished. Ouch, Jesus. Ouch. Ouch. We can get wrapped up into this. Every generation can get wrapped up in this. I'm hearing Hannah's song again. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. We do that when we mock people who think differently. It's so arrogant when we mock people who have different beliefs. 
The Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. According to 1 Samuel 3.13, Eli, he was raised in a home that ministered before the Lord. But Eli had obvious sin that they didn't deal with. His sons blasphemed the name of the Lord. They made the name, that means they made the name of God ugly, to put it in other words. How do we make the name of the Lord ugly? 2 Timothy 3, 4 through 5 says, it's like having a form of godliness, but denying its power. How often do we have forms of godliness, but deny the power of the gospel of Jesus. If we want to be a people who hear the word of the Lord and see visions, if we want the next generation to hear the word and see visions, if we want grace and what she's teaching at the seminary, if we want her to hear the word and see visions, then we need to be real, authentic and honest with our sin and the things that entangle us and hang us up and think twice about how we make the name of the Lord known. When Samuel heard the Lord calling, his response is, here I am, you called me. It reminds me of when God goes to Adam and Eve. Remember when they'd eaten the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And what did they do? They hid. And what's the question that God asks? Where are you? Where are you? Why did God ask him that question? God knew where they were. God knew the garden, the garden pathways. Why did he ask? There's an honesty and transparency and self-awareness that God knows we need. And Samuel, in the rest of the book, of 1st and 2nd Samuel is constantly going to be going before Saul and David and saying, what's up, guys? What's up? You're not being honest. You're not being transparent. You're not being real. You're not being humble. That's going to be the voice of Samuel. Um, Stanley and Sharon have served for years in our church with a prophetic voice equipping voice, teaching people to hear and discern the voice of the Lord. I think about how much Sharon pioneered the freedom ministry that we, we talk about. Come to our freedom ministry. It's a ministry that helps us recognize, name, and deal with idolatry in our lives, with the demonic, with generational iniquity. I mean, she's helped us. Like, let's deal with this stuff. Let's get it taken care of. So even if you don't think you have any major issues in your life, it's such a good course. It's so transforming. Every year when I have to teach it, or not have to, when I get to teach it, I'm like, I've taught it, I don't know how many years. And every year I'm like, oh, Jesus, I repent. Oh, Jesus, your kindness leads me to repentance. It's so freeing and so life-giving and brings you so much joy. That's what the word of the Lord and vision does. Um, one of my earliest memories of Stanley, and I tell this story, but I like repeating it because we want to be a community and a people who are authentic and genuine. 
So this is the prophetic voice in our midst. This is my first memory of Stanley <laughs> Dahl. I came here to go to college. I was going to Westminster years ago and I'm sitting in church and I'd only been here like a month or two in my memory, but I just remember I hadn't been here long. And Stanley gets up, so I don't know him at all. And he gets up and he's crying and he looks repentant. And the mood in the room is like somber. And I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, another one bites the dust. Who did he sleep with? How much money did he steal? <laughs> that was my, like, just my gut reaction. I'm so sad to say it. And he gets up and you know what he starts repenting for? He uses this word, I've been a curmudgeon. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's a new one. <laughs> it was something like that. Like this, I'm like trying to remember. And he's like, I've been angry. I've been controlling. I've been scary. I've been oppressive. I've been shutting down. It's like the joy. And I, I don't know, I should, I should revisit Stanley and remember it because, oh, he's giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> this is the way I remember it. <laughs> and my heart just melted. And there were people in our midst who came to Stanley and said, Stanley, when you give the word of the Lord, it's tainted by some other stuff. And we care about you and we care about the word of the Lord and the vision of the Lord being known in this place, but we got to take care of this. And he submitted to it. They told him and he heard it and he submitted to it. And haven't we all been so blessed by Stanley's voice all these years? Yeah. He was the opposite of Eli. <laughs> What's so beautiful about the Lord? He keeps calling us. He called Samuel not one time, not two times, not three times. He called him four times. We get the impression, I mean, even here, I bet Eli had a chance to turn things around. I just, God is that merciful. I'm like, what if Eli, what if there was a story of repentance here? But Eli's heart is just hard. He's just like, yep, it's the way it is with the Lord. <laughs> I mean, I just, God is so merciful. And Samuel's going to learn a new way. Samuel's going to say, I'm here. You called. God is calling you. God is calling me. God is calling us again and again and again and again and again. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door. Here I am. I stand at the door. I'm knocking. I'm knocking on your heart. Open up the door and I'll come in and I'll eat with you. It's not just going to come out and hang out. We're going to eat. This is good stuff. God is calling you and God is faithful to confirm his word in your life. He'll do it again and again and again. When Eli realizes that God is calling Samuel, he did give some good advice. He said to Samuel, 
okay, go back and lay down just like you did before. That's where God was speaking to you. In other words, okay, go back and make yourself available. Make yourself available. And then when you hear God calling you, say, speak, Lord, speak, Lord. And then say, your servant is listening. It's not just talk to me, Lord. <laughs> it's I'm listening. I'm listening to what you say. Samuel followed that voice. I love the, the, the final verse, verses 20, uh, verse 20 and 21. I don't have a slide for it right now, but it says, the Lord was with Samuel and he grew up. And God let none, and the Lord let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. It was like there was a there was a preservation there. There was a protection. And then the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. The Lord starts appearing, the visions become more frequent, and the Lord revealed himself through the word. The word of God became alive again. I want that in my life. I want the word of the Lord to be evident, to be seen, to be frequent. So I just want to close right now. If you all want to stand and pray with me, I'm going to pray through these points. And you are welcome to join me just agreeing. Um, or we go home and we think about this this week. <laughs> we just think about it. So Lord, first of all, forgive me for areas where I have forms of godliness, but deny your power, where I minister before you, but my heart is hard. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that this week you would show each one of us where our hearts have become hard. Show us where we have forms of godliness, but we're not allowing your redemptive power to work in us. We want to be all yours. And Lord, when you seem silent, when it feels like we're going year after year, help us be tenacious to coming about coming to you like Hannah. Put a tenacity in us that we're going to keep coming. We're going to keep coming. We're children. We get to come before your throne room with grace and power, we get to come boldly to get help from you and mercy in our time of need. We press into that, Lord. I commit to being tenacious even when I'm not getting it or even when my life circumstances don't change. I'm going to keep coming. Lord, help us be like Samuel and be available to you. I'm here, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Give us ears, Lord. I want to be a listener. I want to hear you. In Jesus' name. Oh, and help us teach the next generation. <laughs> help us teach our neighbors. Help us teach our friends. Help us teach our coworkers. Help us teach the next generation 
Help us join the older generation. Help us bless the people around us with the ability to hear and receive and discern your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.